0: Thank you for choosing Talks News. Came out with a British accent because I was fucking up anyways, but... Uh, special Wednesday episode. Because every Wednesday is special, isn't it? Not really. Uh, jam-packed, uh, full of turning point stuff, and then if I got time for it, uh, Michael Knowles' video that I just found utterly ridiculous. But, of course, we must begin with ye old Militia Watch. Because... That is probably the most hidden uh, phenomenon in the United States, as far as news reporting goes. So it's good to go to militia.watch on the internet and check up every once in a while, see what's going down. You can also go there and get more in-depth articles on specific movements, but here every week they have a weekly update. And I like to read off the points for anybody who's interested in doing more research, becoming more informed. Oh, yeah. So, we have another weekly update covering the past week or so in the news. This week, the update features stories about the following. Ooh, Roger Stone's back. So, it says Roger Stone's okay security detail as a common feature at far-right gatherings. Cool. More FBI, U.S. military, local police connections to militia movements. Not surprised. Boogaloo adherents adherents arrested and Rittenhouse not re-arrested so follow me along and we shall get updated of course there's a j6 capital update because the investigations and everything going on with that is not going to end anytime soon and i'm glad somebody's keeping up with it so j6 capital updates A major feature in the past week regarding J6 was the impeachment trial. Trump's direction in inciting this insurrection was a hot topic of the hearings. An Oath Keeper's VIP protection guy has been spotted providing security for multiple far-right events in the last nine months, speaking to the interconnectivity of quote-unquote reopen protests to quote-unquote stop the steal. Two the J6 riot, all of these all being interconnected. And in fact, I think I had talked about that a bit in the uh, last episode of how Trump was acquitted of all practical and moral responsibility or accountability. Um, Because Mitch McConnell believes that he holds responsibility, but not any accountability. It's just not in the Constitution to hold him accountable. But anyways, moving on. And New York Police Department officer was pictured alongside Roger Stone and Oath Keepers at a D.C. hotel the morning of the riot. Another data point alongside the substantial amount of police officers, current or former, identified as taking part in the activities of the day. Yay! An Oathkeeper present at the J6 storming worked for the FBI and claims to hold a security clearance. This is obviously troubling for a few reasons. One of these is the danger it presents to the quote-unquote enemies of the Oathkeepers, such as the news media, that an Oathkeeper uh, that an Oathkeeper's group chat said should be quote killed live on air unquote. Another is how it complicates the FBI and other security apparatuses in seeking to quote, investigate their own, unquote. This then leads us to Pentagon, looking for internal reviews. This past week, the Pentagon has asked for troops to help in countering extremism among the ranks of the U.S. Armed Forces. The Air Force also launched an extremism review among their ranks during the past week. An Army Special Operations Medical Course also dropped a Roman numeral three logo, uh, uh, from a logo, the course used given the popularity of the three among three percenters groups. This type of involvement of far right activists among the U.S. armed forces is well documented by journalists and researchers. It also, however, goes beyond the Pentagon. For example, more police documented as being cozy with far right militia movements. And let's just acknowledge here, too, that Trump had a very huge support base in the police uh, you know, stemming from the BLM protests of the summer, but also on top of the fact that he was the quote-unquote law and order candidate who constantly used that term. Uh, and I, I I previously already talked about how that's a dog whistle in other podcasts, so, uh, moving on. A Hamilton County, Ohio Sheriff's deputy posted a three percenters flag on his Facebook page. He is now under investigation, and you can go to militia.watch for more on that. The brother of Jurassic World's uh, wait, the brother of Jurassic World star Chris Pratt, Sergeant Coley Pratt, is a California police officer who makes woodworking wall art. He's very friendly with militia movements and other police officers who appear to have a tendency for ordering three percenters art from him. Yay. according to research covered in an article in Open Vallejo, the officers of the Solano Sheriff's Department have a substantial problem with support for or implied membership in three percenters movements. This is also not a new dynamic or one confined to this department. Here are some other stories about this from the past from years past. Uh, we have oh, excuse me on police and first responders in militia Facebook groups coming from the Triad City Beat. Uh, Another story on Oath Keepers and Texas officials' email correspondence coming from Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And then there's an anecdote uh, that they included called Coordination Between Police and Militias via Zello. That was reported on by Militia Watch. But pro-militia sentiment is just... isn't just confined to the U.S. military or U.S. police. As with previous weeks of Militia Watch Weekly updates, GOP politicians and political groups are once again documented in the press for their connections to these movements. Most of these movements are so far right, we're looking at an authoritarianism, possible neo-fascism, and we're seeing... uh, Many members, individuals of our institutions taking part in these. And as they feel, the thing that I can kind of see a connection coming through here is that as the institutions degradate over time and uh, public trust in a lot of these systems continues to go down, they're going to rely on these uh, fascists who will claim to want to protect these institutions for the greater good of America. Um, the, The ultimate goal, of course, is just power. Um, using those institutions and the building blocks that they are formed upon to merely have power. Uh, That's how I see it, but of course there's more to be developed on that. Um, So, moving on. Michigan GOP cozy with militant groups. Yay. The New York Times put out a lengthy review of Michigan GOP coziness with Michigan-based militia groups. The Constitutional... Sheriff's Movement also asked the police of Michigan to stand against both Biden's policies and any COVID-19 public health measures. Time will tell how much they listen or disregard this ask. The Michigan Democrats are now calling on state Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirkey to resign his post after more information comes out about him meeting with Michigan-based militia groups. And let's acknowledge here that in Michigan, there was that plot by the Wolverine Watchmen to kidnap and hold a trial against the governor for the uh, COVID-19 lockdowns that happened in Michigan. So this is uh, Michigan sounding radical as fuck in all the wrong ways. In a recent poll, 60% of Michigan residents surveyed said they viewed J6 as a threat to democracy, and perhaps as notably, 16% of those surveyed said that they had a favorable view of the Michigan militia. So, at least there's not uh, that much popular support there. 16% is still a terrifying number, though. But again, that's probably only of a sample size and not every Michigan resident, so... Uh, All right, we got arrests and legal updates. This is a bit of a longer one than usual, so let's get it. Feds arrest Boogaloo adherents in Louisville. Two adherents to the Boogaloo movement were nabbed by federal agents this past week for their involvement in threatened or real violence. These men were members of the United Pharaoh's Guard, a Boogaloo cell fashioned as a local militia that is noted for its public presentation as a social justice movement that is willing to visibly coordinate with known 3%ers actors. Oh, man. A third Boogaloo adherent has, was charged a few days later. And this is exactly why I'm having a very hard time pinpointing the Boogaloo movement. I had a conversation with a guy who was obviously sympathetic with the Boogaloos and said that the Boogaloos are out here really fighting for social justice. But it seems to be counterproductive when you align yourself with three percenters who are more likely to be white nationalists. So, very, very Interesting. Um, I again like I think the whole idea of the Boogaloo was merely to come up and kind of add fuel to the flames of civil war. I think Boogaloo, for the most part, wants to just see the degradation of our infrastructure and a bunch of chaos. And I don't really even see like a bunch of goals coming out other than them saying that they want to tear down tyranny. Uh, and Again, that's that that would inevitably leave like a power vacuum that would allow three percenters to come in and uh, possibly strong arm their way into power. So uh, I'm genuinely like confused by the Boogaloo movement um, because each time I hear about it, I hear contradictions of what they're truly about, and the decentralization of the Boogaloo movement on top of that makes it even more difficult. Moving on. Kyle Rittenhouse prosecutors denied new arrest warrant. Teenage shooter Kyle Rittenhouse did not see his bail terms renegotiated again following his failure to update his address with the courts. This lapse in communication led to speculation that Rittenhouse might have become a fugitive but may have been a mistake on the teen's part. Could be. Um, But it also could attribute to the idea that Kyle Rittenhouse doesn't want to uh, interact with this government that he may see as uh, illegitimate. He's been seen with uh, you know certain militia groups that hold that in, in, in their regards, especially now that Trump's not in office. And then uh, they have some uh, further readings if people are interested. Uh, one being on guns being used to recruit, for militia groups coming from The Trace, another on the twisted patriotism of the far right coming from New Republic, and another on Ammon Bundy's movement growth under COVID-19 backlash coming from Spokesman. Ammon Bundy uh, being related to the Bundy Ranch incident, uh, I think back in the 90s, uh so it's it's amazing that he uh is still continuing on the path that he is when he's probably under a bit of scrutiny and watch under uh intelligence agencies but you know it is it is what it is um so come back for next wednesday for more militia watch updates or just go straight to militia.watch and follow that shit follow it hard follow it like you you're trying to find out where it lives anyways Whew. We got a lot of turning point today. We got a lot of turning point today. Rather than getting into something that was uh really popular, being the uh, Texas power outages, which the uh, right-wing propaganda machine decided to hop on and complain about clean energy and how clean energy is at fault here. Uh, I got plenty on my Twitter. Not even plenty. It's just enough on my Twitter to refute this idea. And then there is plenty on Twitter to refute this, uh, wrong, uh, perspective on how Texas lost its power. Uh, but it, you know, no matter how much information that you put out to discuss this issue with right wingers, they're not, they're not going to agree. They, they have an agenda. And once they saw that half of, uh, Texas's windmills were frozen, that's when they saw their story. They jumped on it and blamed the Green New Deal, which has not been implemented whatsoever. So I'm not even going to get into that because it's it's already tired out on Twitter. So uh, moving on. I'd rather actually just get into bad faith actors. You know, we make fun themselves. of all of... Sorry, Michael. You came out of turn here. I'd rather just actually get into bad faith actors themselves, and I have a few videos here. Two of them focusing on Turning Point USA's Charlie Kirk, and then two of them coming from uh, the recent Turning Point USA. Uh, I don't. I don't even know what it was. A convention. Or concert, I don't, don't, I'm not really sure, but I got two interesting videos of that. And then, if there's time, uh, there's this really dumb video by Michael Knowles uh, explaining how taking away a woman's right to choose is the zenith of democracy. Um, Might not get into that depending on time. And then uh, I, I decided to pack the full day because Joe Biden had a town hall, which I think. Rather than taking context and clips and refuting bad faith actors, spinning the narrative of his words, which unfortunately one of the Charlie Kirk videos is gonna do, um, I would much rather just go through the whole thing because I'm sure that I'm not gonna agree with everything Biden says, and I cover Trump pretty heavily uh during the election and i think it's still important to be aware that cnn msnbc are going to clean up the biden administration a little bit more than is necessary at least when it comes to actually holding power accountable um so cnn had a town hall and i'm i'm not going to include it in the in the podcast stream you'll have to go to uh youtube talks news and check that out But to begin now, we have this Turning Point USA. This is a very short clip. Most of Turning Point USA's videos are incredibly short, less than five minutes, and they're all about like taking down leftists. It's like the entire channel is reactionary rhetoric is to like arm people with a bunch of talking points so that they can just rapid fire at anybody who they want to argue with good shit. It's definitely worth it in a healthy democracy. So we have Alex Clark here, beginning and I think she's from Poplitics, which is a horrible name. Poplitics. Okay. Uh, and it's about how leftism glamorizes toxic cancel culture. And again, like every time, like even somebody who uh, says that they are a leftist or that they uh yeah. If they say that they're a leftist or that they agree with leftist policy, thought, ideology, whatever, they find a way to group that one individual's thoughts into being part of the whole movement in itself. When honestly, leftism in America is so decentralized and disorganized that you, I, I don't think it's fair to attribute one person's belief onto the entire movements because the entire movement is just so all over the place. But that won't stop the right wing from doing it.
1: Leftist cult knows that using pop culture to promote their doctrine is so incredibly valuable because that way people don't realize they're being programmed.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Ben Shapiro thought it was, like, so effective that he started a movie company. They're coming out with, like, movies and TV shows now. So, like, yeah. And I think who... I mean, I'm pretty sure Ben Shapiro quotes it all the time. I was it Breitbart or was it Dennis Prager who said it, but um, that uh, politics is just downstream from culture, and that makes a lot of sense. Like culture does kind of affect how we decide how to do our policies and all of that. As culture changes, so do our policies and our politics. People started out being pro war at Vietnam, and then as the culture ca- became aware through the televised broadcasting of vietnam actually i'm not for this and then the policies changed following after that so culture is a big power in getting policy yes yes um and the right is well aware of that too um
1: and what message are the leftist cults broadcasting through their platforms how are they empowering individuals
0: i like how she keeps attributing cults to this even though like leftists don't necessarily have that like uh, cult leader or uh I don't know. I, I don't join political parties in fear of joining a cult. But the thing is, is to just build the leftist idea as a cult is kind of ridiculous. And I'll kind of show that in the next video with Michael Knowles, because um, conservatism also demands that you don't step out of line. So it's just very fascinating that lefts have a cult. They are a cult, but the right are free thinking individuals.
1: Individuals to rise the ranks of their group. They encourage individuals to publicly expose toxic family members, proudly announce they've canceled them, and uh, refi- if they, that's if they refuse to bend a knee to the mob. And then they say never to speak to them again unless their family donates to progressive causes or just completely renounces their conservative beliefs.
0: I have to say, though, this is like a, a, a scarecrow, like, or not a scare. <laughs> This is a straw man argument. She's she's creating the idea of, like, this leftist that indoctrinates everybody into the ideology. I have conservative family members. The reason why I don't talk to them is because they don't really talk to me. And it's not necessarily any animosity going on whatsoever. It's actually just uh, individual, personal interactions. Um, I don't think I've really even kicked people out for being conservative. I have stopped talking to people because of their own... uh. I, what I felt was, you know, toxic opinions that were kind of, I don't know, that, that, that weren't, uh, that were more harmful than actually uh, contributing to anything good. Uh, but I've never demanded that people uh, kick out family members or make them feel bad for their beliefs. The unfortunate thing is, is that I'm one of those leftists who thinks that we need to de-radicalize people and not necessarily give up on them. The unfortunate thing is, though, is that there's a right-wing media... That is working really hard to make sure that these people are pigeonholed and unmovable. So we're 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 dealing with a uh, unstoppable force meeting immovable objects at this point. Uh, when it comes to propaganda in this country, it's just reinforcing people into their positions, and it's making it very difficult for working class individuals to agree on solutions to uh, all of our issues, all of them. So.
1: Teenagers who are willing to excommunicate their own flesh and blood are reassured that they have made the right decision with gratification of hundreds and thousands of likes and comments from online internet friends who declare that they're their glitter family. Isn't that cute? What even is that? I don't even know. Conservatives are the real glitter family, though. I just want to take that back.
0: My favorite part is that she said, I don't know what a glitter family is, but conservatives are the real glitter family and I'm taking it back. Like, you don't know what it is and yet you want it. Like, I feel like they're they're a little bit jealous of, she's a little bit jealous of left culture and how they're innovative with their internet slang and original and creative. I, I think that's funny how she's like, I don't know what that is, but I'm taking it back. It's like, what the fuck?
1: We are the glitter family. Okay.
0: She obviously doesn't know what it means. Uh, it, it, it has a lot to do with the LGBTQ community, which uh, most of conservative policies are against.
1: Now, never mind that the people that you would be turning your back on, of course, are the people that nurse you back to health after the stomach flu or were there for you after your first heartbreak or, you know.
0: I mean, that's assuming a lot about people's families. You don't know for sure, uh, if you know your your parents were there to support you after your first heartbreak because, I yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. My parents kind of sort of were, but I am I'm a cis straight norm uh, heteronormative person, so um, it's hard to tell when you get a bunch of differing factors and variations in human. Uh, identity that every parent acts exactly the same.
1: So paid for your expensive liberal arts school degree, the get, uh, just again,
0: again, like saying that that's so specific. That's very specific to a lot of things. And it, yeah.
1: And the ends justify the means for these sick people. Even if you don't join the cult by your own free will, they will attempt to force you through intimidation and crippling social pressure.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean that's just like the the right's whole perspective on this like quote unquote cancel culture thing that's going on. Um, so there's not too much to really refute there at the end, except for the fact that like she created a a uh, individual straw man, and I'm sure there's probably cases of you know leftist gatekeeping like that, but. Um, I'm not gonna say it's the entire movement as a whole, like she did. That's that's just the continued like reactionary to leftist ideas, um, building upon the culture war idea, which kind of even divides working class people even more because we can't really agree on things that we're that are almost entirely made up. So, culture's made up. We made it up, people. I don't I don't know what to tell you. Um, so. Michael Knowles comes in on this next two-minute video to tell you why they refuse to
2: roll over for the left. You know, we make fun of all of these sad sacks. I understand why they roll over. Because the pat on the head feels good, and the smack of the newspaper does not feel good. If you play the court jester, your life as a day-to-day matter will be easier. You will get better grades more easily. You will have fewer contentious conversations with your blue-haired feminist cousin. You will. You'll fit in better at work. You maybe will get more promotions. You'll do better with your classmates. You'll chat up more girls. Oh, you'll (laughs) get invited to more
0: parties. (laughs) That's so funny. That leftism is more popular. It's so much more popular. You'll get invited to more parties, and you'll have more luck with ladies. I get that but you got to think about taking the harder route of being a conservative.
2: (laughs) I get it, I feel the temptation. (laughs) You have to resist it. You will feel more at home in the dominant liberal culture and all it will cost you is your integrity. This is the fight right now.
0: That's really funny to me is to say that to like agree with leftists is to give up your integrity when like literally I feel everybody who argues for conservative points are complete shills. And a lot of them have these videos of why I left the left. And it's just so much more obvious that like conservative propaganda does pay more than uh, leftists, especially the further left that you go. Because if you start talking outside of, say, CNN, MSNBC or The Hill, um, even The Hill is a little bit more left leaning in some of its talking points. But like the farther left that you go, that the smaller that money starts getting. So um, very, very interesting.
2: You're in it if you stand firm in your convictions, if you stand athwart history yelling stop, to use Buckley's phrase, if you refuse to be boiled gradually, then suddenly, you will be slandered and attacked. You will be called stupid. You will be called uneducated. You will be called evil and sexist and racist and whatever.
0: Uh, that, I mean... A lot of that is a straw man, yet again. Um, Like I said, I'm more into de-radicalizing misguided people because most of conservative propaganda works to uh, convince people to vote against their best interests. And so... Um, when we end up calling say like a, a, a thought leader or a talking head, someone like Michael knows or Ben Shapiro or even Gina Carano, who has a massive influence on people um, calling them racist and sexist and misogynist usually comes from a place of, because they know what they're doing um, other individuals that kind of co-op these ideas because uh, it does have a certain um, bias confirmation. Uh, it, I, I don't think it really comes out all that way unless the individual is aware of their rhetoric and how it harms certain groups of people. Um, Being simply conservative does not make you stupid. In fact, there are probably very well-educated people who are conservatives. The only thing is, is I think that the policies are misguided, especially when they try to say what the actual outcome would be, which is the benefit
2: of the working class, um, Yeah. That is the cost of integrity. That is the cost of telling the truth in an age gone mad. If you would rather go along with the left, then go along with them. Have an easy time of things, but do not insult the rest of us by calling yourself a conservative. Do not do it. See, and
0: that's why I found it funny earlier that she was Calling uh, leftism or leftist cultists, because like right here, Michael knows draws a line in the sand that if you agree with leftists on anything, do not call yourself a conservative. If you agree with a leftist on one single point, you humiliate all of us by calling yourself a conservative, which, again, like brings this even more idea that they're not willing to compromise or even cooperate. You have to be conservative. Or if you step out of the box, you're not conservative. Like that's that's much more cultist than what we were talking about earlier with the straw man beating down their family members.
2: especially after a giant crowd claps about it. If you lay down on the small things, on the seemingly trivial things, the larger surrenders will follow. If you give up ground gradually, the sudden defeat will follow. Stand firm, take heart, and keep the faith. We may- I mean, what, what cult doesn't say
0: keep the faith? Trust the plan, trust the process. Like what cult doesn't say that? We may
2: lose. But we will not roll over. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's so obvious conservatism is a box that you can never step outside of unless you want to lose your nomenclature, that beautiful title of conservative. All right, so that's just a little bit of interesting perspective coming from that TPUSA uh, concert. I don't even know what it was, but it was a few months ago before 2021. And now we have Fox News just recently bringing on Charlie Kirk, the founder of Turning Point USA, uh, how he reacts to outrageous claims made by Biden during town hall. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, I did already watch it. It's five minutes and 20 seconds long. And every single time talks like or talks, that's us. Fox News uh, brings on uh, like a correspondent to talk about issues. They put like one issue that they talk about, but then they pivot through, like, five or six. And it's it's very fascinating. I think it's usually more about bringing on the correspondent and getting their, uh like, broad view of their perspectives to then have their viewers go check out more or at least be interested in that person rather than just focusing in on one particular issue that they could probably milk dry but would rather not. Because, I mean, Biden's town hall was, like, an hour long, and I think they only cover it for, like, a minute. Let's go.
3: Breaking tonight, President Biden taking questions directly from citizens in Milwaukee this evening as the White House continues to push for that nearly $2 trillion COVID relief package. And that begins in earnest. Let's break it down tonight. What we heard with New York Post op-ed editor Rob Amari and Turning Point USA executive director Charlie Kirk. Great to have you gentlemen with us. Thank you. Uh, Charlie, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you make of uh, the president's statement that they didn't have the vaccine when he took office?
4: Yeah, it's just completely and pathologically untrue. A White House official the former uh, Trump administration, they said they were doing about 1.1 million vaccinations a day, leading right into Joe Biden being sworn into office. It was President Donald Trump that was mocked, ridiculed and made fun of by every single person in mainstream media when he said that we would have a vaccine by October, November. He was right. And in fact, the announcement came right after the election, if you might remember. And then Operation Warp Speed, which was, again, considered to be a near impossibility delivered a vaccine ahead of schedule. President Trump promised it by Christmas. It was actually delivered before then. And so Joe Biden is trying to rewrite history, and it's incredibly irresponsible. Joe Biden says he wants to unify the country. We now know that was nothing more than baseless words. If he wanted to unify the country, you know what he'd say? He'd say, you know, The guy that I uh, took office after and the person that I ran a whole campaign against, I had plenty of complaints. But I want to say thank you to the hard work for everyone in the administration prior to get the vaccine done. Instead, he makes this outrageous claim. It's insulting to all the people that worked those tireless nights in the White House, that worked in the private sector and otherwise to get the vaccine done. He's trying to take credit for something he had nothing to do with. I think it's reprehensible.
0: Mm That's very fascinating. Uh, He he filled a lot, and that's kind of what Charlie does is he fills a lot of, like, one piece of an argument with a lot of information so that you can't necessarily go piece by piece or even get one piece of information to talk about. You you, you have to refute literally everything he said, and you have to do it all off of memory. Um, Now, the thing with, like, Trump promising it by Christmas and it coming early— god save us uh not necessarily true i do remember that trump saying that it was going to come before the election uh but the idea of it coming after election was like kind of trump holding this idea that if you vote me back in i will ensure that it will be there even though most of it was completely out of his hands because it was mostly private companies that did it and then the fascinating thing to me here is that charlie highlights that Biden saying uh that they didn't have any vaccinations, which I think Biden basically did say. He did say we didn't have any in the refrigerator, which is kind of true as well, because uh, Pfizer even came out and had said that they offered more vaccinations to the Trump administration, which Trump denied. He said we didn't we don't need that much when, in fact, we did. Um The but He focuses in on how Biden talks shit about Trump not leaving enough vaccinations, which kind of sort of is a good point. But the thing that he's also ignoring is that during the COVID-19 pandemic, Trump kept repeatedly saying that the cupboards were bare, that the uh, that the United States that he inherited was not prepared for the uh, pandemic, even though he tore down the pandemic response. Uh, team back in 2018. So Trump did exactly the same that, thing that Biden did, which was accused of the other administration for leaving them uh, completely unprepared. But it's very fascinating here that Charlie will attack Biden for doing that, but ignore when Trump did, especially since the cupboards were bare because of Trump's actual policies, which was to remove the pandemic response in 2018 two years before the pandemic really broke out.
3: So let's talk about the economic pack- package. They're trying to push $2 trillion. You
0: see, and then we pivot, and then we pivot.
3: There are a couple of Democratic senators that have come forward to say, listen, if it's not related to COVID relief, we're not voting for all of this other pork and stuff that's tucked in there. But here's what the president said tonight about the economic impact of what will happen if they pass his package
4: if we pass this bill alone, we'll create seven million jobs this year. Look at what the impact on the economy would be. You think it's bad now. The vast majority of the serious people say bigger is better now, not spending less.
3: So Rob, bigger is better when it comes to spending those tax dollars.
2: Yeah, well, uh, look, I I think the
4: bottom line is that the American uh, workers and American families need relief right now. Um, there's a lot of people who are hurting. So, um, you know, as a conservative, I personally think it's a big mistake to, uh, you know, set ourselves against any kind of relief whatsoever. And something has to ha- has to come out of Washington. I think um, it-, it will be used both as a political matter if Republicans are seen as obstructors at a time when um, still many families are a- are out of work and are and are hurting. Um, I do think. I mean, uh, you mentioned the Hyde Amendment and other things. I think there are th- there are discrete issues where Republicans should speak up. But on the whole, I think it, it, it's a mistake to, for Republicans to re, you know, uh, restore their old role of just being kind of uh, budget hawks at a time when you know, they're getting paid but millions of Americans aren't.
3: Well, and uh, on the other side of the aisle, there was quite a statement from former President uh, Trump today uh, talking about his feelings on Senate Minority, now Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, saying Republicans can't win with him, he's not going to get it done, uh, that he is not America first. It was a rather blistering statement. um, But this comes at the same time that Politico Playbook talks about uh, the Politico Morning Consul poll. It said, it's conducted in the days following the Senate trial, showing that despite the impeachment manager's gripping presentation video laying out Trump's role in the January 6th rampage, the GOP remains the undisputed party of Trump. And Charlie, a lot of the polls out there show that people right now within the GOP, he's still their number one choice. I mean, 2024 is a long way away and, and they didn't succeed in banning him from running again, at least not yet.
4: That's right. And a lot of people are asking, when's the Republican civil war going to start? It's already underway. And I want it to begin quickly and I want it to end quickly. It needs to happen. Uh, Political primaries after losing the White House are nasty. They're brutish and short, to quote a great philosopher who said something similar many years ago and when he was actually looking at a civil war. And we need to make sure that the best ideas win. If the Beltway class run by Liz Cheney and Senate Republican leaders think they can win, then so be it. Present your ideas, President.
0: That's very fascinating here that uh, Charlie Kirk wants the Republicans to decide whether or not they're going to be the party that Mitch McConnell claims that they are, even though McConnell was a huge Trump apologist, or that they're going to be loyal to the Trump method of uh, governing the country, which is mostly through misinformation and conspiracy theories and uh, really diverting any responsibility and moving it to the left, or I guess not even the left. Well, The left, yes, but also just liberals. So it's very fascinating here that Charlie Kirk wants those neo-fascist aspects to come through into the Republican Party to continue disinforming uh, their supporting base.
4: Trump has already proved that his ideas of restricting immigration and fair trade deals, those are very, very popular. Uh, political primaries like cough syrup, no one likes taking it, but it's actually-
0: That's very funny that he thinks that those are the only two things that like Trump supporters are supportive for, and we're ignoring like a, an entire four years of other policies. That's very fascinating
4: really good for you and i want the republican party to be unified next year this year needs to be a year Mm -hmm. when we do some soul searching are we going to be a chamber of commerce party or a people-centered party the party that president trump uh, left behind and still wants to continue to lead
0: claiming that trump is that populist movement that benefited the working class when none of his policies actually did so especially during the emergency of the uh pandemic so Um, to move on here, this video is a little bit old, but I found it very interesting. It's Charlie Kirk's top five leftist takedowns of 2019. And Charlie kind of has this, uh, internet persona where he goes around debating just randos, not really anybody of like actual, um, I don't know, academia or, you know, fundamental understanding of leftist ideology. He always just kind of attacks random college students who are probably in the beginning, learning stages of those, uh, ideologies. So it's, yeah, it's great. And what's even funnier to me is that the top five leftist takedowns of 2019 begins with him taking down a guy who claims he's a conservative. But if you want to see something pretty great is, uh, uh, Charlie Kirk debating Hassan Piker, I think in 2018, Um, Hassan does lose his, uh, composure a bit, but not quite as much as Charlie. Charlie loses it so much that he starts yelling at Chank in the audience. It's, it's phenomenal. But I think at the same time, Hassan does do a good job even though he does lose his composure a few times, he does do a good job of pointing out when, uh, Charlie Kirk makes logical fallacies or, uh, pivots or just flat out lies. Like he does a pretty good job of calling out Charlie of what the specific tactics that he uses in, in debates, which, uh, it's a great, it's a great debate. It's, not actually a great debate it's it's great content to be perfectly honest with you the more i see these debates just devolving into shouting matches and unmoderated discussions where people are just interrupting each other and arguing and nobody's really coming to a conclusion on the initial question asked i think debates are kind of uh degradating a bit i would say like jordan peterson's and uh slavoj zizak was like a much better organized debate whereas like these other ones just like especially when it comes to politics just keep devolving into just shouting matches but um moving on go check out the uh, charlie kirk uh hassan uh, politicon debate if you haven't seen it yet. It's a it's a pretty good intersection between someone who is a uh, very far left progressive and someone who is a far right neoconservative, even though he's not necessarily willing to admit it. But let's begin here now with the top five leftist takedowns of 2019.
4: Um, one thing I have a hard time rationalizing to my liberal friends and one and uh, conservatives on TV and, and you know politicians have a hard time articulating is intelligent reasons why the wall must be built. I am curious your thoughts on that. Three quick things. Number one, I'm gonna say some facts, I'm gonna talk about fairness, then I'm gonna talk about sovereignty. Some facts. An illegal alien in the state of Arizona is twice as likely to commit a crime versus a natural born citizen. Fact.
0: But them being there is like, if they're undocumented and actually came across the border illegal, then they're already committing a crime. So of course, yeah, duh, duh, Uh, duh. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to commit like a violent crime or an actual like law that has to deal with something other than them being uh, an undocumented immigrant. The thing is though, is that nationwide, Uh, citizens commit far more crimes than undocumented immigrants or even immigrants in general. So focusing in on Arizona, especially when it's that close to the border and it does have a lot of undocumented immigrants coming through, uh, it's just not really a fair point. And he doesn't he doesn't expand upon that. He just says fact at the end.
4: 90% of all heroin and fentanyl come across the southern border. Fact.
0: I don't think that statistics on point either i think most of our fentanyl actually comes from china let's see where we can find where he put that and that's the unfortunate thing here is that like most people who talk to charlie kirk on on uh like in the moment don't really have a chance to look up or confirm his facts or to make sure that they're actually contextualized in the way that he's contextualizing them so uh 90 of heroin and fentanyl wow i don't know how to spell fentanyl that's probably good and that's the other thing too is that he's moving through facts that like how can you actually uh dispute anything that he says when he just steamrolls them um uh let's see trump was the one who had said 90 percent uh floods through our southern border uh, the AP fact checked it and said a wall can't do much about that when drug trafficking is concentrated at land ports of entry, not remote stretches of the border. The Drug Enforcement Administration says, quote, only a small percentage of heroin seized by U.S. authorities comes across on territory between ports of entry. The same is true of drugs generally. In a 2018 report, the agency said the most common trafficking technique by trans- transnational criminal organizations is to hide drugs in passenger vehicles or Uh, tractor trailers as they drive into the U.S. through entry ports, where they are stopped and subject to inspection. They also employ buses, cargo trains, and tunnels, the report says, citing other smuggling methods that also would not be choked off by a border wall. So Charlie Kirk used a uh, Trump talking point, but then ignored the uh, Drug Enforcement Agency. Um, I'm trying to find exactly where because I'm pretty sure most of our supply of fentanyl itself comes from uh, China, not the southern border. But there are other articles here focusing on it. This one comes from Arizona Central. Hard drugs entering the U.S. from Mexico have been rising steadily in fiscal year 2018. A total of 133,885 pounds of hard drugs were seized along the southern border, including cocaine, heroin, meth, and fentanyl. Um, That could be marijuana as well. It's kind of hard when you lump some all of that and saying including cocaine, heroin, meth, and fentanyl and maybe not. May you know also notarizing that marijuana's in there. Uh, that is a sixty-three percent increase over five years from eighty-two thousand. That was during the building of the wall, though. So, like, how are they still building the wall and getting a increase, a sixty-three percent increase, nonetheless? Uh, most hard drugs are seized at ports. So again, the walls. Again, even Arizona Central here uh, focuses in on how uh, mostly the the port, ports of entry are actually where most drugs are smuggled and that a wall is not going to do that. Okay, there it is. Marijuana seizures are down. So there's that. Um, but a total of 761,319 pounds of marijuana was seized along the southern border. That was more than the combination of heroin, cocaine, and meth, and fentanyl that was included at the top here. There was only 133,000 pounds of cocaine, heroin, meth, and fentanyl, where we have 700,000 pounds, nearly 800,000 pounds coming from marijuana. Hmm. Do, 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 Uh. So, like, I don't know, it's hard to really put facts into context in a, when, you, when you're talking directly to Charlie Kirk because you have to kind of act on your feet and you have to be well-informed on all of these issues. The only thing is is that Charlie Kirk is well-informed on talking points in a similar way that, like, a canvasser would is that they have a lot of set things that they talk about and they can kind of improv around those, but it's always use the same talking points because those are the ones that are effective at convincing people into your position, and that's the kind of thing that he works with.
4: Over 10,000 kids are illegally sex trafficked across the southern border every single year. Fact.
0: That's not necessarily a fact either. Um, he's equating just merely child trafficking, which isn't even the right term to use for it because a lot of kids aren't coming with their parents simply because their parents can't or they're already here. There's a myriad of complicated situations that would lead to a kid needing Uh, either a smuggler or some kind of guardian to take them into the port of entry. Um, But he's taking the kids who merely come here and equating that to sex trafficking because human trafficking, sex trafficking, and immigration can be muddled up into the idea of why we need stronger border control.
4: We have 56,000 illegal immigrants in our federal prison system. Fact. And countless...
0: But again, that could be just because they came over here... uh, You know, illegally, not necessarily through the right channels. So, um, I mean, that's really been a broader problem that we've had since the 50s and 60s when we started restricting uh, immigration. Because back before the 50s, immigrants were able to come here, work during the, uh, the, the farming season, and then go back to Mexico and live out their lives until the next working season would come. But now we have much more stricter uh, standards to get into the country and make it more difficult to even leave or return return to their country or come into ours. So then it tends to have more people detained, especially during Trump's presidency, where he was detaining caravans of uh, asylum seekers. So like that number increased hugely by the time that uh, Charlie Kirk was making this point. And it was mostly because of Trump's policies of detaining everybody who was coming to seek asylum.
4: Listen, our state penitentiary system. 135 billion dollars a year that's how much is the financial burden on u.s taxpayers every single year that illegal we
0: have to we have to google that one just to see where he's getting that from Another one from Arizona Central. Does illegal immigration cost the U.S. more than $200, $200 billion a year, as Trump claims? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Arizona Central said that this claim is false. President Donald Trump has used several estimates about the cost of illegal immigration in the past few months as he seeks to garner support from, the con- from Congress to build the wall. Uh, the government sent shutdown centers around this issue uh throughout december uh he had made multiple claims on social media and to reporters about the cost of illegal immigration ranging from 200 billion dollars to 275 billion dollars in addition to the tweets made on december 4th and december 18th he said at a cabinet meeting on december 19th quote it's so insignificant compared to what we're talking about you know i've heard numbers as high as 275 billion dollars we lose on illegal immigration he repeated the number on december 20th at a signing ceremony quote illegal immigration costs our nation 275 billion dollars a year you may have heard different many different numbers you can say billions and billions but the number that i hear most accurate is 275 billion dollars a year at least charlie kirk said 135 um no backing for the numbers neither Trump nor the White House has cited a source for the data about illegal immigration costs his numbers are more than twice as high as the closest published estimate which was made by the Federation of American Immigration Reform a conservative research, or- research organization that advocates for less immigration both legal and illegal the group's report published in 2017 estimated the cost was 135 billion dollars a year which is Charlie Kirk's number okay Um, In June, Arizona fact check, AZ fact check found significant limitations to the fair report in an examination of a separate claim on the cost of illegal immigration. Immigration researchers have also criticized the study's methodology. So this is the number specifically that AZ fact check has found and other immigration researchers have also criticized a critique by the Cato Institute, a libertarian think tank called the study, quote, fatally flawed, unquote. Nonetheless, the report did not necessarily serve as Trump's source for the figures. Okay, so let's move on here to see if we can get a better understanding. So immigration analysis, scratch heads. Um, other right-leaning research organizations also have not made estimates as high as those cited by Trump the Heritage Foundation a Conservative Research Organization released a report in 2013 about the cost of illegal immigration the study found there were 3.7 million undocumented households and the costs were an estimated $54.5 billion per year five times less than Trump's estimate and the critique by the Cato Institute in 2017 gave an even lower number with costs estimated at between $3.3 billion to $15.6 billion annually so even if that's so i'm sure that conservatives would feel that that's still too much because they don't like immigration in general
4: immigrants drain from our system fact you put all that together that's a pretty compelling argument that we have some problems with our southern border that's those are some facts number two is fa-
0: the funny thing is though is that none of that has to deal with a wall specifically all of that has to deal with like our policies in immigration in general so um it's funny that he thinks that like the, the wall is going to fix all of those situations, specifically when even fact-checked here live on this, that's not necessarily true.
4: Fairness. As Candace said, it is not fair to the people in Bolivia. It's not fair to the people in Bangladesh. It is not p- fair to the people in Belarus that had to wait in line, fill out an application form, not commit a crime, and then wait a decade to come into this country to maybe have a chance to become an American. It is not fair to them. Number three is sovereignty.
0: But again, that also has to deal with like our whole immigration process. And I'm not necessarily sure how, uh, you know, asylum seeking and immigration forms are at the southern border necessarily harm those coming across from, you know, the the ocean rather than the the ports of entry at our border. I'm not sure how that actually backs up their log. Um, Is he saying that like there's just too many immigrants coming from the southern border that we can't process all of these people? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that's an actual through line that you can make. It's it's an accusation you can just throw out there because it sounds like it makes sense, but you you really need to back up your sources on that to say why um, asylum seekers at the southern border would hold up, uh, say, a work visa coming from Belarus.
4: Why do walls matter? Why do borders matter? Borders are a physical representation of when good ideas begin and bad ideas start.
0: And that's where it gets a little bit racist. That gets a little bit racist. He's going to focus in on East and West Germany, but it gets a little bit racist there uh, in a second. Um, by saying that borders are the thing that keep us from having good ideas and bad ideas, it's uh, it's it's a, just a nationalist idea that America is so exceptional and so great at everything it does that we need to make sure that we know where America begins and where America ends because it's surrounded by bad ideas.
4: If you don't believe me, just ask East and West Germany. All right, North
0: and bringing up East and West Germany is a bad example because obviously like it led to the destruction of that wall. Um, and Germany became reunited in itself and then followed its own ideas that don't necessarily 100% uh, agree with every idea that American policy has. Um, but it's, it of course, like I think it was, I don't remember who had East Germany, whether it was Russia or, Or America, I can't remember who had what, but if I had to guess, East Germany was Russia's, and West was America's or the Allies. And the 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 terrible thing about the 50s, 60s, 70s, up until the 80s, Russia is that it was extremely authoritarian. So the border doesn't necessarily highlight that, but merely the ideology that was uh, in charge of that border. And, uh, yeah, they, they failed miserably and people fled East Germany to go to West Germany because nobody likes authoritarianism.
4: North or South Korea. If you believe in open borders, you do not believe in the physical delineation of where good ideas start and bad ideas start. The wall right now is not only important for facts, not only important the facts I mentioned, the fairness, but also the sovereignty. We are not Mexico. We have a unique culture. We have a unique identity. The Mexican culture is something that should be appreciated and understood, but our culture is much different and has outpaced them over the last 50 years. And to say that we should have open borders-
0: and that's that American exceptionalism and uh, nationalism. And because we're the wealthiest country and it shows when comparing America to Mexico, that shows that we're a far better culture than they are. And we have to prove it to them by building a wall that says you cannot come in.
4: Borders and we should have some sort of transfer- transferable citizenship- cheapens the idea of the american identity and culture the people that have waited in line and the tens of millions of immigrants that have to fly halfway across the world to come into this country so those are the three reasons i would give to build the wall build it quickly build it high build it wide with a big door so and everyone deep. can come in legally thank you
0: and that's the unfortunate thing is that during the trump presidency people were going to the uh, entry to do it legally, but he still um, persecuted them as if they were doing it illegally. Like He called that caravan an invasion of illegal aliens. So that kind of rhetoric makes it even harder for people to feel empathetic to the situation of people who are leaving war-torn Honduras, which was caused by our training of uh, death squads in that country. So there's it's a very complex situation but by just kind of equating the idea that they have to come through the legal ports doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to still get the treatment that they deserve. Trump's still detained and separated families just for coming into legal ports of entry.
5: Constitutions the best document in political history and honestly
0: too like what are you gonna do like if you're leaving your homeland and you hear that if you go to a legal port of entry that you're going to be detained for two to four years in a covid-ridden overcrowded detention center you're gonna think fuck that i need to go another way and possibly even try to get to fucking canada because fuck all that
5: you believe that the constitution's the best document in political history
0: greatest political document ever. there you
4: go thank you Oh, this um, is incredibly quiet. I, I want to
5: know how is it possible to believe that when it's based on racist principles. They describe uh, indigenous peoples as merciless Indian savages. Uh, they don't describe African-Americans as full people, and they don't even recognize other people of color and other uh, minority, minorities that we see today. So I just want to know how you think it's possible to believe that's such a great document we're founded Thank you for upon. the
4: question. Where does it say that in the document? No, no, Keeper. Where, where does it say that in the document? I'm sorry, what? Where does it say what you said in the actual document? Um,
5: I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, it but... It doesn't. No, no, no. Uh,
0: it... So, all right. Kirk is half right here. Um, There is no mention of uh Indian savages in the... uh. Declaration of Independence, Constitution, Bill of Rights, none of that. Um, the one thing that he's wrong about, half wrong here, is that it does say in, I think, Article 1, Section 2 or 3, uh, talking about you know how states are going to vote, is that slaves are counted as three-fifths people. And we know that at the time, slaves were African Americans. So it does say in it that Slaves are not full people who were predominantly African-Americans. And it doesn't even really acknowledge the different culture that would be African-Americans at that time. They're just merely slaves or three-fifths persons. So it does say that in the first article of our Constitution. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of representation of, uh, you know, colored people in the, in the, in the documents that were written at that time and there's not even really a massive representation of white people at that time either in the wording of the constitution. Cause it says we, the people and the people, but when you take it into context of the time, it was very obvious that it was created for property owning white men. Um, so three fifths people were not included in having all of the rights afforded to uh, by almost everybody through the constitution and that had to be amended through civil war, and the 13th and 14th Amendment. So, yeah. Instead, instead,
4: do you know what it does say? Provide for the general welfare of all people. I I preface when I talked about the United States.
0: And it does say that, but he's ignoring the three-fifths person's clause. Like, He's ignoring that. He's just choosing to ignore that initially, initially slaves who were mainly uh, people brought here against their will and sold against their will uh, were considered three-fifths people, not a whole person.
4: It's constitution. You know what's amazing is the amendment process. Yeah. I love the story of Thaddeus Stevens who fought like hell to make sure that blacks could have the right to vote. I I love
0: Nearly a hundred years after, no, not even, nearly two hundred years after the foundation of this country were people fighting for the right of black people to vote. That's something to be proud of, apparently. There there were there were abolitionists who existed before the Civil War. Like there were people who disagreed with slavery before we had to kill each other over it. So Um, Very interesting.
4: I love the story of the Republican Party, which was founded in 1860 as an anti-slavery party.
0: Now, that's true, but uh, since their founding, uh, the Republicans have moved very far away from that just a hundred years later they were fighting against black people having the right to uh vote and also go to schools with white kids so yeah yeah they were founded on anti-slavery but eventually they became the party of uh free black person oppression
4: i i hate what happened to indigenous people under democrat presidents
0: sure but uh republicans did a a good amount of wrong against indigenous people as well um i think after the civil war republicans held office for like 30 years like like the presidency so for 30 years indigenous people and manifest destiny uh got wrecked uh so under republican presidents so that's again like not great not not a great point to make but of course like charlie's here to convince you that democrats are bad and republicans are the bastions of freedom liberty and the pursuit of happiness
4: i do here's why it's the greatest document ever is because in a land with so many different backgrounds and languages and cultures in this room from all over the world we can peacefully have a conversation while all that's protected simultaneously While we can agree to disagree, we can have this conversation. What you said is nowhere in the founding documents at all. What you said is what some of the prejudices that was in the people of the founding fathers. That's true. This is called a logical fallacy. Tell me why the document is not correct. Don't tell me the sins of the authors. It's a big difference.
0: So if she did have the three-fifths person article or clause in her arsenal she would have been able to uh, enlighten Charlie that it did include that language at that time but unfortunately she 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 wasn't prepped for that follow-up question of where does it say that exactly so
4: oh boy, you've been through this I do not promote violence
6: <laughs>
4: let's talk about ice let's talk sure. what about ice don't you like
0: violent? not violent yes they're violent how
4: i'll tell you why i like ice they're the number one agency that goes after child sex traffickers number one they arrest tens of thousands of
0: child sex traffickers and i couldn't find like actually i couldn't find like an actual citation for what he's saying here Um, but there's multiple agencies that do that and so far i've seen more done by the fbi than ICE when it comes to that, but again, he's equating the the movement of children across the southern border as child sex trafficking. Uh, he did that in that in the the argument two, two, two takedowns ago. So um, he's he's still lump summing child immigration with child sex trafficking in his statistics. Um, but I was not able to find that ICE is actually the number one uh, feeder of child sex trafficking i couldn't i could not find a site for that source every
4: single year they also go after ms13 they also go after terrorists that are here in the country domestic
0: yeah i'm not 100 sure about the ms13 and the terrorist thing specifically i even went to ice's website and it seems that they kind of focus in on just people who um Break the law when it comes to immigration process. But from what I remember, in 2019, uh, ICE was really going out and doing a lot of raids, and it was mostly focused in on just removing people who they deemed not um, eligible or allowed in this country. And so they broke apart families and they separated people and they deported some people who weren't even front like one guy from Syria or his parents were from Syria. He was a born citizen here in the United States, still got deported to Syria, homeless and unable to communicate with the civilians there because he did not speak Syrian. The same thing happened to another uh, guy who his parents were from Haiti. He got deported out into Haiti with no resources to survive. He doesn't even speak their language. So ICE does commit kind of acts of violence against these people that Charlie Kirk seems to ignore and uh, thinks that they're going after terrorists when really they're just going uh, against uh, people who break minor immigration laws that were really restrictive under President Trump.
4: ICE was formed after 9-11. That's true. To go after International threats that are here domestically—that's why they're
0: called. That's kind of that's kind of stretching it, um, because undocumented immigrants aren't necessarily dom- domestic threats. Um, that's 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 just overreaching there. But I I I I get where he's coming from because it was created around the same time the Department of Homeland Security was created, which was after 9/11. But they mostly focus in on detaining and removing immigrants.
4: Immigration, Customs, and Enforcement—they get such a bad rap and you actually meet with the agents, you see what they do every single day, it's pretty extraordinary work. Now, they do go after people that have visa overstays. It has nothing to do with race. An illegal immigrant is not a race. Most of the visa overstays are people from Hungary, or from Indonesia, or from Japan. If you are here illegally, you should not be here despite your race. The immigration debate is, is demagogued by politicians by being a racial issue. It has nothing to do with race, and everything to do with the rule of law. You
0: talk... To- it has a lot more to do with race when President Trump focuses in on the southern border wall and how Mexico is giving us all their criminals rapists and using that rhetoric to target the focus of illegal immigration on brown people coming from the south. So while ICE isn't necessarily focused on that, Trump made it their priority. So that's where that's coming from. And Charlie Kirk doesn't make the through line there because he's making a defense argument of ICE and not, um, I don't know, not actually critically thinking about the policies that led to xenophobia and anti-asylum seeker rhetoric and policies. Charlie, okay? I think it, I think it was you cool, that talked Charlie. a bit about like the Mueller
2: investigation. Yeah. I know you said it was like a waste of time, that kind of thing. I don't know. What, what makes you think it was a waste of time? Because it was about 30 indictments, a couple convictions. Okay. What specifically about it was a waste of time to you? Okay. you know, criminals were exposed. Okay. No. No. I, a court determined that a, criminals so, were exposed. So, do you know, so
4: what was the basis of the original Russia intelligence investigation in the fbi
2: right so from what i understand my understanding was that the investigation was opened up
0: charlie kirk's gonna bring up the steel dossier because the steel dossier is probably uh the foremost talking point when speaking on the uh investigation started by james comey and finished by robert Mueller. but um the thing is though is that i found like a great article from 2019 that highlights literally every moment that led to just before the investigation was started. Let's see here. Oh no, I got rid of it. Oh no. Oh no. But there's, there's a lot of connections between Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, George Papadopoulos, um, uh, Carter Page, uh, a lot of people who interacted with the Trump campaign and also had around the same time interactions with officials from the Russian Federation. So there was a lot of connections there beyond the Steele dossier, which was uh, introduced just before the investigation really took form. There were still a lot of other moments that led to that specifically, but I know, I know for sure. Charlie Kirk is going to focus in on the Steele dossier because that's what the right-wing echo chamber did since the uh, the end of the Robert Mueller investigation, to be honest.
2: To basically understand all the different ways that the Russian Federation has ind- so colluded with What was the US piece elections. of intelligence
4: that began the surveillance or the spying, whatever you want to call it, of the Trump campaign?
2: No idea. Okay, so yeah. it,
4: it was a dossier right. that was funded by the Democrat National Committee and the Hillary Clinton campaign yeah constructed by an opposition research firm called fusion gps
0: and i remember here specifically too that this isn't necessarily true either uh fusion gps was uh funded by someone else called the washington something and it's a conservative group too which is also funny so let's see here let me find it specifically do, 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 do. ABC from 2019 has a pretty good timeline of all the events that kind of led to all of this. Let's see where did it go? Steel and Ore in contact. Where did the Fusion GPS thing go? It was here. It was the Washington Free Beacon. It was the Washington Free Beacon that had gotten in contact with uh Fusion GPS and I'm still looking for the exact time when they got in contact. Steal do-do-do-do, it's not there, it's not there. Let's see, do-do-do-do-do, do 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 not there. Uh, here it is, September 2015, looking to boost one of the other Republicans running for the GOP nomination, the right-leaning Washington Free Beacon retains the Washington-based firm Fusion GPS to conduct opposition research on Trump. So it was actually a GOP uh, operation to try and deny Trump from winning. They, they tried to Bernie Sanders his ass and it didn't work, but it was actually a GOP. It was actually Republicans at the Washington Free Beacon that uh, hired Fusion GPS to conduct opposition research on Trump. So I, I don't know how Hillary Clinton got lumped summed into this, but it did, or she did.
4: We have we, The dossier has been disproven and debunked to have so many inaccuracies and misleading facts and information. So that was put in front front of a FISA judge. For those of you that don't know what a FISA judge is, that is giving permission for the United States government to surveil its own citizens. Now, there were three members of the Trump campaign that were former individuals at highest level of national security, Chris Christie, Rudy Giuliani, and Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. If the FBI was actually worried about Russia interference, they could have approached Chris Christie, who was a U.S. attorney, Mayor Giuliani, who was a former U.S. attorney, or Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, who held the highest level of security clearance at the highest level of the military, saying, hey, we're worried about Russia interference in your election. We're worried about this Manafort guy they never did.
0: I like how he says real quick that we're worried about this Manafort guy as if like not highlighting that Manafort was like a campaign manager to Trump's campaign who had uh, a lot of connections in Ukraine that also connected him to Russia. But at the same time, he's like, hey, if you guys were really concerned about them colluding with the Russian government to hack the DNC and Hillary Clinton's emails, why didn't you just ask him? Like, yeah, dude, people who are doing stuff like shady shit are just going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're totally doing that. We're aware of that. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that that's that's how everything makes sense. Charlie
4: Did that instead, they illegally surveilled and spied on the Trump campaign. So fast forward to April, fast forward to April or May, where the actual Mueller investigation began. Andrew McCabe said it himself that his own internal workings towards getting, getting get, eventual you know, triggering of the Mueller investigation was based on the phony intelligence of Fusion GPS and based, on the Fusion, and based on this investigation. But you said 30 indictments. Let's break this down. Who is indicted? Paul Manafort is going to prison, not for Russia interference, my yeah, friend. For tax fraud, yeah. Right, right, tax fraud, wire fraud, and unregistered yeah. foreign lobbying for Ukraine, not even for, for Russia. Lieutenant. Oh, Tra- that's
2: kind of Ukraine and Russia there. There's a little bit of a... What? There's a war, a war, yes, but like, keep in mind, yeah, I mean, saying that...
0: I mean, it's not even just that, like, Ukraine has been bouncing in between uh, U.S. alliance and Russian alliance, trying to figure out where it's going to fit into the world uh, stage. They've had civil wars between, like, their presidents, one trying to get them into the U.N., which would make them more of an ally to... Uh, or not the UN, but NATO, which would make them more of an ally to the United States. But because they're so close to the Russian border, Russia, like I think during Obama's presidency, annexed Crimea and has been working to try and uh, get Ukraine on their side as well. And I think Ukraine is also a former uh, USSR member when the USSR was a thing. So there's even still a movement within Ukraine to move them back under a Russian... Uh, USSR kind of ruling so um, there is a bit more to acknowledge there with Paul Manafort's uh, connections to Ukraine especially since he actually contributed to the civil war that happened in 2014 he had a huge part to do with that so um, there's there's a lot more to Paul Manafort than uh, Charlie Kirk is leading on here
3: so okay. as a fair point,
2: I think it's got no, to say I, that there isn't a connection. I can see where there. you're coming from there. Yeah. yeah,
4: I understand. There's a lot of cross-nationality. No, that is
2: really tough to... Sure. Yeah, so
4: the second, yeah. the second major indictment was George Papadopoulos, yep. who lied under oath to the FBI. No right. Russian interference, no Russian connection. Okay. Also, the third...
0: The lying, though, was about his meetings and uh, what uh, Trump had organized him to do. So by saying that it had nothing to do with the Mueller investigation in itself, it had everything to do with it. George Papadopoulos got charged for lying to the FBI about the situation.
4: Third, Which is the most famous is Lieutenant, Gen, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, who again is indicted for a process crime and was indicted not for Russian collusion, but for not filling out his paperwork properly for the incoming president to become National Security advisor, Council advisor for unregistered foreign, foreign lobbying for the Turkish government. OK, the fourth person who was indicted was the former attorney to the president, Michael Cohen, who we have on the record now lying at least 15 times to Congress under two separate testimonies.
0: The thing about Michael Flynn is that, like, again, his uh, foreign lobbying and him hiding it shows that there could still be more connections to the Russian Federation. The, the thing that was masterful by the Trump campaign was to not have direct links to like, actual officials within the Russian, like, government, but to have people who are close to it. And um, Michael Flynn's uh, paid foreign lobbying, I think, is something that is worth knowing and then possibly diving in deep further. And you have to kind of question, like, why? Why did he not disclose his foreign lobbying efforts before uh, joining the, the Trump administration, or at least attempting to join it? Um, and the thing about Michael Cohen is, is that he tried to cover up for Trump and then realized that his charges were going to be pretty egregious. And then he, his spine got really, uh, slithery and decided, well, actually I'm going to, uh, flip and I'm going to help the FBI and in- or Robert Mueller in-, in investigating Trump. And so he, his, his case is even more complicated than what we're being li- led to. but we're supposed to just go with, we shouldn't trust him because he's so flip floppy.
4: Now, he was not indicted for Russian collusion. He was not indicted for interference. He was indicted for taxi medallion fraud, tax fraud, and wire fraud. Now, those are the four Americans. So far, there might be more. There probably won't be. Actually, the fifth, I'm sorry, there was a fifth. Obama's White House counsel was just recently indicted.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah.
0: I'm sorry. But that's funny because his, he's not being indicted into anything with the Robert Mueller investigation. So it's very nice that he's just going to pull that out in the last week yep.
4: for unregistered foreign lobbying, taken a $4 million wire transfer that was laundered through Cyprus for, again, with Paul Manafort essentially being the lawyer on file. His, his criminal trial is still pending. Yep. He has pleaded innocent. Those are the five major Americans. Now, you said 30 indictments the rest of them yes. are foreign yeah. Russian citizens, that we could indict the entire country of Russia for essentially colluding against America, because every day they're exercise they're, they're a, the whole country is registered as a foreign adversary. So we just picked 25 people that were running Russian troll farms. Now the five things
0: yes and no um it first began with 13 Mueller indicts 13 russian nationals and three russian companies for exploiting social media to spread fake news promote discord in the united states and engage in what they called information warfare and then a few months after that Mueller indicts 12 russian intelligence officers for hacking democratic targets including the dnc and then releasing stolen information online by downplaying this uh specifically just kind of actually hurts, uh, I don't know, the integrity of uh, our election system by downplaying that these are just a bunch of trolls is uh, just kind of allowing the idea that Russia influencing our social media to be pro-Trump is not a bad thing or that it's kind of laughable when it was actually extremely successful. So... Cool. Things that I told you
4: could have been done with it with just telling the Department of Justice to do their job. Yeah. Bob Mueller was not needed for thirty million dollars, creating a public assassination campaign against a president that was originally based on faulty intelligence.
0: And again, I it's not based solely on the uh, Steele dossier. If you go to the NBCNews.com slash no, I'm not going to read that whole thing. I'll just give you the title of it. The Russia probe, a timeline from Moscow to Mueller, it's not just off of a single dossier, even though that was a that was included in evidence. It's not just And all of that, it really began from the Russian interference in the 2016 election, which was sweeping in systematic fashion. And then it started bridging more and more with the connections that Michael Flynn, George Papadopoulos, Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen, Rudy Giuliani, Chris Christie, uh, Carter Page, all of these people having uh, conversations and meetings with people outside of the uh, American officials, like even Representative Dana Ro-Rabacher, Republican California, meets in Moscow with Russian lawyer Natalia Veselnitskaya. I don't know if I said that right. In the summer of 2016, who... Uh, the re- representative Dana also met with WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy in London months before the site released hack Democratic emails received from Russian hackers. So there's a lot more going on here than just the Steele dossier, but that's the easiest thing that they can refute and try to um, delegitimize. The Robert Mueller investigation. And when he says that it cost Americans $30 million, he also forgets to mention that in the uh, the civil forfeitures that came from the arrest and all of the, the, the stuff confiscated from the indictments and the people they arrested and all of that stuff, there was $45 million that actually went back into the government. So if you consider that, that's actually a $15 million net gain in the Robert Mueller investigation. So ignoring more facts to cherry pick to uh, win an argument. Cool.
4: And so, you you know, I think you and I can agree that doing that for two years and exacerbating this Russian narrative where Congressman Adam Schiff, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee now said, there is yet to be released evidence that is material of Russian collusion against the Trump campaign. We're still waiting for what that is. There are 1800 articles amongst the four major newspapers in America, USA Today, the Washington Post, the LA Times, and the New York Times, 1,800 articles alluding or directly connecting Donald Trump and the Trump campaign to, to committing treason with a foreign adversary. You got to ask the question, is there, was it really necessary to hijack our whole public narrative for two years using $30 million of US taxpayer to go after five people, none of which committed Russian collusion at all, instead had their own personal crimes that they committed? I believe it was a public assassination campaign that we paid for. That now Donald Trump has rose up against and has triumphed.
0: So how many? I mean, to focus in on it being a public assassination rather than like an actual possibility of Russia severely hurting our democratic process, like focusing on that just allows for that to happen yet again. Honestly, like Charlie Kirk is really cool with uh, other governments influencing our elections if it helps his guy win so cool that's really uh that's really american to do that how many genders are there
6: <laughs> there's so many the way that the so
0: many not so many not chromosomes
6: actually break down with intersex genders and the way that it actually happens that is the starting point that you learn in like fifth grade but when you actually you do like real experiments you learn that the way that data breaks down when it comes to can you give me a number gender, or not? Number. A number? You have two. That's sixth grade science. When you move on, there are hundreds so, of different so you, categories. So what you
4: so what you learn do. in sixth grade becomes less true as you get
0: older. That's like gravity a, that, becomes, that less, a true. Basic building that law becomes less true. Newton's third law becomes less true. It's funny that he thinks that like if you learn something in sixth grade and then you learn more later that that one thing becomes less true rather than thinking that it like you can build upon one understanding of it. Like the things that you learn in sixth grade are probably built like into further knowledge that you would get in 12th grade. So it doesn't make it less true. It makes it more true by a better understanding of what you're talking about.
6: In order to understand the concept of gender, when you break it down into actual gender experiments when it comes to chromosomes
0: related. and sex... In culture, gender and sex are directly related, but as we're progressing through culture, it's actually not... It's actually not... Uh, gender is its own thing separated from uh, biology. Um, but they, they want to equate the two and have them fit into structured boxes to, I guess, make society easier for them.
6: It breaks down into hundreds of different categories that actually differentiate between just two genders. What you're saying is there are facts and you don't believe in there being Yes, I am evil. saying that
0: there are this facts. This
6: is a scientific fact that even if you talk to any biologist, you will
0: learn. So in biology, they teach you, are you that completely there's XX just using and XY chromosomes. chromosomes. The thing that in biology is that like for a, I guess like a uh, normal, not normal, but just like a, uh, I, I guess I got to go with normal because I can't think of a better word, but like the normal circumstance for the human species is that uh, one will have an XX set of chromosomes and the other will have XY chromosomes. And then you have other cases of people having extra X or extra Y and that delineating from the, uh, the, the binary of usual biology. But the thing is, is that when you step outside of the human species is that a lot of species have varying, uh, chromosome sets. And then on top of it too, there's some that can literally change their biology as the the process goes through. There's, there's other species that will start out as male and then later become a female to give birth to the next generation. Um, so even saying in biology that there's only XX and XY chromosomes, and he's not even specifying on the human species, he's saying that's across the board. And it, isn't necessarily true because there are circumstances where people have x, XY or x x y or x y x or what have you like there's a there's a a, a variety of uh, biological chromosomes that can end up happening but in most cases yes there is XX and x y but in other species that isn't necessarily true either so a, give me a number of how many genders there are
6: hundreds many it it, down. unlimited right it's so so anything many you want to be anything you feel no it's what scientists determine given specific X, categories X, X, y. why do you need a number if you're bingo why
4: do you need a number that's a great question you
6: literally have no idea how it works you're because using then you six could
0: self-identify to this. be anything <laughs> you want at any time
6: literally biologists are saying that this oh, is always so the way the gender actually breaks
0: so, right so, right so, right so, right now. so you would accept the i don't necessarily see what like the problem is self-identify like self-identify at any time of how you feel or like basically creating your own self-identity. I don't understand the, the, the problem with that other than having a very rigid society that needs to know who and what you are. The argument that you can self-identify to be anything
4: at any time.
6: Yes, because literally okay. by all means, that, That's what's wrong
4: with not having a number.
6: There are hundreds of different numbers.
4: But again, you don't have a number. I just want to recap Hundreds.
6: Hundreds. hundreds of different so where would you the data put...
4: Okay, so the data breaks down into. two... Minutes. Very simple predominant categories: xx and X, Y. And no. 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 Oh, so there's not male and female. I
6: think what happens is you don't understand like, science and science. Oh, I don't. Backing, oh, okay. So, so. And you just want to so, support so forth this, so like, I, fascist, so, simple, fascist, simple. Oh, fascist, simple. Right? Here we that go. That's
4: that's that's. Interesting. That
6: that will keep you.
4: So, so what is fascist about saying there's two genders?
6: Is you're just being completely not faithful to what actual science
0: is telling you. No because science. You- and I want to get into. <laughs> why uh that is that is actually a bit fascist is by telling people that concepts things that we have made up things that aren't necessarily part of the reality that is but more of the reality that we cultivate by existing in a society as human beings um by telling people that concepts are facts that's fascist uh like saying two plus two equals five it's a concept that they've created and they say that that is based on fact and reality. That that actually is fascist, yeah. Um, I got interested here in the intersex chromosomes because Charlie says there's only XX and XY, but MedlinePlus.gov ooh, will not get me on their website because of my VPN. Shouts out. Do-do-do-do-do-do. All right, fine, Wikipedia loves me. Do-do-do-do-do. Intersex people are individuals born with any of several variations in sex characteristics, including chromosomes, gonads, sex hormones, or genitals, that according to the Office of the United, uh, United Nations High Commission for Human Rights, quote, do not fit the typical definitions for, f- for male or female bodies, unquote. So by thinking that there is only a binary, you're ignoring a, a minority of human beings, but a, a, a minority of human beings that exist nonetheless. So. so answer is quite simple. That is an a, oppressive there, narrative. Oppressive. you oppressive, so, so and I'm oppressive. Police? How am I being oppressive? This is the... By doing this rhetoric, like I said, he's ignoring intersex people. They are a minority and they may not be the norm, but they exist. And by ignoring their existence, that's oppressive by delegitimizing their, their existence and unacknowledgment of their existence isn't oppressive of their rights. It's, the truth comes out eventually, so how am I being Yeah, oppressive? you're being oppressive.
6: How am I being oppressive? You're being oppressive by denying people the ability to have... How am I denied ability. anyone anything?
4: Okay, denying people identity. People can identify however they want. I'm only going to use two genders. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep,
0: yep, yep. And that last one, he was very standoffish and wasn't being agreeable whatsoever. He was he was coming off very aggressive. He interrupted her very, mi- uh, very many times, and then on top of it too, like like I said, he's going up against like college students who are barely learning these subjects, and me myself, I barely understand these subjects even as well, and have to have the internet to make sure that I'm still staying on point. But Charlie Kirk takes advantage of that. Um, uh, novice knowledge and beats it with, um, steamrolling in his own, uh, political talking points and rhetoric. So shouts out to Charlie Kirk for continuing the bad faith, uh, argument that is conservatism. Wow. We actually did an hour and a half, so I'm not going to do that Michael Knowles video, but, uh, there will be the town hall Joe Biden later on on the YouTube channel talks news. Follow me on Twitter at Talks and Pot, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, do some research on intersex and also the spectrum of uh, gender. Uh, do that and, I don't know, enjoy the rest of your day. Go to militia.watch. Um, I don't know, become class conscious. Um, arm the proletariat. Um, organize in your local communities. S- stuff, you know? Just stuff. Well, that's it for Talks News. I am horrible at doing outros to this fucking thing. Peace.